Welcome to Talk Plus Water, the podcast that takes a deep dive into the world of water with those making waves. My name is Todd Bottler, and I'm your host for Talk Plus Water. I'm also the editor-in-chief of Texas Plus Water and the Texas Water Journal. You can sign up for Texas Plus Water by visiting texasplusWater.org, and you can sign up for the Texas Water Journal at texaswaterjournal.org. Both publications are free. My guest today is Dr. Rosario Sanchez. Rosario is a senior research scientist for the Texas Water Resources Institute at Texas A&M University, where she works on the Transboundary Aquifer Assessment Program that is integrating research and data on transboundary aquifers between Mexico and Texas. Rosario is also the executive director of the Permanent Forum on Binational Waters, and I have to say, Rosario is also our first repeat guest uh, ever. And so, uh, Rosario, welcome and thank you for being part of Talkless Water. Thank you, Todd. Uh, I didn't know I was the first repeat. Uh, well, I didn't want to get thank too you. nervous, so I didn't tell you that in advance. So, okay. <laughs> so. So, yeah. Oh, my goodness. So let's start out with your background in water. How did you first become involved with water? It was a lucky day. Uh, I have to say, I have to be honest, I didn't dream about this. I didn't dream about being involved in water. I didn't, I didn't actually was interested in the topic until... I got the opportunity to enroll in a PhD on Texas A&M University. And that PhD, that opportunity was on water. And I, I, I doubted at the beginning because I, I, I didn't have a training. My, my left side of my brain was not used for a while. <laughs> I mean, my, my master's degree and bachelor's degree is on international relations and diplomatic studies. So I used to focus on something else, more so, social and political and economical aspects of, of the relationship between Mexico and the U.S. And then when I started water, I started using that side of the brain that I, I haven't used for a while. And it caused me a lot. It caused me a lot. It's not as simple as you can think. As simple as water is, the complexities that water arise around you and and the infinite amount of possibilities that you can do with it, that you can think about it, that you can get in conflict with it, it are enormous. So I started getting in love with water uh, from the first day. It wasn't easy. Um, I was about to give up in the first few weeks uh, just to understand the physics of it. And, and, and it took me a while. So from there on, I used my background, my international relations background, to try to look for the strengths on, on, on my end and focus that into water now instead of other other topics. And that, you know, uh, from there on, when I found that possibility within myself, I found my way. And I found that magic that you found when you, when you said you don't have to work anymore because that's my passion. That's great. So it, it, it really becomes, became my passion when I realized that I was able to understand both the science 
and the policy uh, behind a natural resource. I love it. I love it. I, you know, I was just thinking about what you're saying, and you know, t- to me, I, I see this. Uh, you know, over and over again, how people who, uh, you know, or water professionals, you know, they really kind of, they have a different thinking process in some ways. And uh, I think it's because of what you were just explaining. You I mean, you've, you're forced to use both sides of your brain, uh, maybe where you've been relying on one side of it uh, prior. And uh, that uh, has all sorts of implications about how we do things. Um and, and how to understand things, too. And not just water itself, but people, right? Because this this is all relates to us. That's what we're doing. What we're doing is to improve our, our capacity or or, or, or or quality of life. So it's, at the end of the day, it's just people talking to each other. Um, so you have to understand people in order to understand water, too. Right, right. So... Let's uh, talk about the permanent forum on binational waters. Now, your your first podcast we did was about uh, your your other focus, the Transboundary Aquifer Assessment uh, Act program, and I encourage people who are interested in that to go back uh, to the earliest episodes of Talkless Water to to listen to that podcast. But but today we're going to talk about the Forum and so, uh, what is the permanent form of binational waters or on binational waters? Right? Is it on or of? Oh, of binational okay. waters. It is. It is a lot of things. It's very complicated to explain, even to myself. But what it really is is a space, a virtual space, a platform, a network of experts, scientists. Uh, non-governmental organizations, private industry, city, state, binational officials, all levels, all scales of the binational um, topic in terms of water. So it is really a community of people interested working on on transboundary waters between Mexico and the U.S. And the platform gives all kinds of resources for, for a lot of things. One is to to connect with each other. You might think that we are connected because we are on the border. Well, the truth is we're not. We we all our efforts, our cooperation efforts related to water tend to be isolated in a region, which is is not that bad. The problem is that the impacts on a larger scale are minimized because those efforts are isolated. So the forum tries to to integrate, to communicate, to make those efforts greater and, and, and with bigger impacts at a border-wide scale. And that's what we need, really, in order to make a difference, in order to overcome the challenges that we're facing in the border, in terms of water, just in terms of water. But, but also, it gives us the opportunity to work together. Uh, from the day we started this project until today, I can tell you that, that those relationships have increased enormously and have helped enormously the communication, not just across the border, but across with, within the territory of the border, within Texas and Arizona and California and New Mexico. We know what we're doing. We know what we can do. 
We know who to talk to. We know who to contact on both sides, along and across the border. And 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 that in, by itself is a great great achievement. The second thing that we that we the forum is is to disseminate information explain information, not just scientifically speaking, but also what it means in terms of communities. We want to know what science means for the border communities and, and what are the risks associated. We want to know what climate change in a way that people understand it. And we call that the socialization of science, basically. Uh, and, and we have that just, you know, a section of that in on our website, uh, to try to lower down the, the, the speech, the scientific speech, so we can actually communicate it to different levels uh, of, of, of the society, communities, stakeholders, politicians, all kinds of peoples that you might think we, we, we are, the, the fact that we publish a scientific paper is not enough. We need to be able to give that information to the people that could make a difference in the decision-making process. So that's the second major objective of the forum. We try to, to put together that research that we, that we have on the border and try to translate it into useful practical purposes. And, and, and that's hard to do. But I think it's, it's, it's worth it. And, and it has made a difference. On this year that we have working on this, it has made a difference. Or virtual events or coffee breaks or conferences and everything that we have in, in planning process is supposed to get to that, to get to the people, to integrate ourselves, the people that, that know a little bit more about what's going on in the border in terms of water and share that with the rest for for. For anything, I mean, you, you you don't know what you can actually reach until you actually translate that science into something useful. So, uh, for uh, purposes of, of disclosure here, I am on the advisory committee for the forum, uh, which uh, I want to make sure everybody knows. Uh, and uh, just listening to your description, you know, it's really very similar in many ways to uh, what was uh, envisioned when uh, a group of us got together to create the Texas Water Journal and then uh, Texas Plus Water, which was, you know, integrating information and making it a much more accessible to the public uh, than it has been uh in, for example, traditional academic journals, when you look at the Texas Water Journal, and uh, you know, getting this information out not only through uh, a website and through a published article, but also through uh, webinars and you know other events uh, like y'all have had recently, which we'll, we'll get to in a minute. Um, but first, I want to ask: Did your work on the Transboundary Aquifer Assessment Act program? Did that really, you know, doing that? Did you see? Okay, we have a need now to to figure out a, a way to to get this information out to people in a way that they're going to be able to use and it's going to be, you know, understood by a larger audience. Was that was that work, you know, kind of the genesis for? creating the forum? Well, I am not sure if I would call it the genesis. Uh, it, it definitely drove drove me to 
see that gap out there. Uh, I was I was having a conversation with Chris Scott uh, from the University of Arizona. He works on on transboundaryographers as well, and we were in Mexico. We we just joined there for a conference that that IMTA, a Mexican Institute of Water Technology, was organizing, and we're talking. They were talking about water security, and they invited me, and they invited Scott and a couple of other colleagues, and we were talking about what we were doing in our end, in Texas, in Arizona, and I was telling him that we were preparing this conference that we just had a couple of days ago. And he was telling me of another event that they were planning to have in Arizona, and, you know, and we didn't know about what we were doing until we saw each other in Guanajuato, Mexico. So we, we realized that we needed to do more than that, that how come we are not doing this together if we are looking for the same objective and the same purpose? And whatever we do, if we do it together, it would have a bigger impact. Uh, on the decision making process and 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 on the on the way we see uh, the issues of water resources in the border, so that brought us together into thinking about this. It was him. It was uh, Nicolas Pineda from Colegio de Sonora. It was uh, Ana Elena Centeno from UNAM at the University of Arizona, and we were discussing how can we make this work together. And then uh, I talked to Sam Sandoval, who is our um, associate director, about this idea, and he definitely jumped in, and, and 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 he said, "Yeah, I mean, let's create something that is permanent. It's not just it's not an event because we were talking about events. Let's call this, you know, series one and then series two or something. And and and, and then I figured let's let's make something bigger than ourselves." And and it inc- it includes much more than transboundary aquifers. Uh, it's surface water. It's it's groundwater, of course, but it's environment. It's it's institutional systems. It's policy. It's legal development. We have all those kind of different profiles in our network. Uh, economics, um, politics. It's it's a planification, urban development. It's much more than aquifers now. It it, it drove us. It, the opportunity drove me to that, uh, to, to see that gap, but really it has gone just above us. It's beyond, and now it's, it's a little monster <laughs> <laughs> that it's growing, that it's growing for good. Um, and we never expected this kind of response from, from our colleagues because we just started loving like, what do you think about this? What do you think about, you know, doing that? And everybody stopped, you know, the snowball effect. <laughs> And people started responding like, yes, this is great. Let's do it. Yes, this is great. And I said, well, okay, now, now we have created a great expectation about this. Now we have to do it. So that's how it was It was formed. That's how it's growing. And it grows every day. I mean, we have new ideas every day, uh, new people signing off every day, new events, uh, things going on. Now we know every day what we're doing. Right. Across and along the border. And just to to 
clarify, um, you started out uh, really thinking about transboundary aquifers, and uh, it's now uh, not just groundwater that that is, a, a, you know, a focus of the forum, but surface water as well. And so we're talking about the Rio Grande, Rio Bravo, and also the Colorado. Is it? Yes. It? Yes. It's all. It, it covers all the border. Okay. From Texas to California. Texas to California and actually Mexico City too, because Mexico has a centralized system of water resources. So we have people from Mexico City. And uh, I, you know, I, I've kind of put that together recently when I saw that you had uh, Sharon Megdahl as part of your program, who uh, was the last uh, guest on uh, Talk Plus Water and uh, the research that she was doing on the Colorado River. And, of course, she's at the University of Arizona and heads up the uh, Arizona Water Research Center. Mm-hmm. Um so let me uh, shift to, to something else here. Uh, what has been going on the last few months between the United States and Mexico regarding water deliveries under the 1944 Water Treaty and the 1906 Convention? Can you, can you uh, give us a, a summary of, of, of what has gone on, and then we'll talk about uh, the latest developments after that? Well, it's not new what has been going on. Um, We have seen that over the last three, four cycles uh, of five years. Every time that the cycle ends, then there's pressure because Mexico is not not necessarily not complying with the treaty. But, you know, uh, behind its water deliveries to Texas. So... The the problem, there's a combination of problems, but one is not new. We have seen these before, and Mexico and Texas, well, Mexico and the U.S. And have get together and figure out a way to solve it, and they have done that so successfully. Successfully for the moment, at the end of the five cycle. However, it's been repetitive now. It's a cycle of of of. Conflict. I, I wouldn't call it conflict, binational conflict, because it's not really binational conflict. Because they talk to each other, and and Mexico always said, "I'm we're gonna be, we're gonna pay, we're gonna comply with our treaty obligations." And the U.S. said, "That's great, let's do it." That's the official language. That's the official story, and that's that's what happens. The uniqueness of this time is uh, the federal government has not been able to let's say, lead, uh, operate, or manage those deliveries successfully to, to the U.S. Because I, I attribute it to a problem of leadership, political disruptions domestically in Mexico, and, and, and basically, I would say it's it's just political stuff going on in Mexico that is not allowing the federal government to comply, and probably also a lack of an experience, uh, a lack of experience, lack of experience in negotiating uh, on time, 
and to pre- to prevent these kind of conditions before because this is not because this is not new Mexico should have done should have known better what this could be and how can you deal with it before it gets to what it got the problem is the reliance on a hurricane reliance on the weather that's not a good that's not that's not good these days right we cannot rely on the weather anymore we cannot rely on a hurricane to fill up the dams so we can pay and that you know and 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 we keep relying on that we and and when i say we because i am mexican too i'm american too but i'm mexican too but i understand the other side as well and and that's not good for water management and that 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 ends up being a you know a ridiculous uh, what's the word? A ridiculous scene at the end Strategy, of the day. Yeah. Strategy at the end of the day. And it ended well, and I would say well between question. Uh, what is this? Air quotes. Air quotes. Air quotes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, air quotes. Yeah, because it, it's okay. Minute 325, it's fine. I think it's successful in the way, I mean, they agree on it, so it's successful in a way they. They, they agree. Uh, it was not disputed. There was not conflict, at, at least not at a binational level. It was domestic, at domestic level in Mexico, but not across, across, um, in between countries. But MENA 325 basically puts a little bit at risk downstream users in the Mexico side. So... Um, we, we kind of figured that that would be the only way out because we didn't have a hurricane coming up. The reservoirs didn't fill up as they were expecting. So we had now, Mexico had to to put at risk a little bit what are these downstream Amistad Dam. But so, one, one, one good thing, uh, go ahead. Well, so just to, just to add some detail in here for people who are not familiar with the treaty and the convention. Uh, So every five years in this five-year cycle, the United States is uh, providing um, a certain amount of water uh, to Mexico, and uh, Mexico is providing a certain amount of water to the United States through different watersheds. And the the problem uh, that manifests itself in this this last uh, five year cycle, or I guess we're still in it, um, is that uh, there was a disagreement uh, between the federal government and Mexico and state government and uh, water users and irrigators in Mexico about deliveries from uh, the Rio Conchos. Is that yeah, right? The, the state dams of there. Yeah, the state of Chihuahua. And uh, so we'll talk about the resolution uh, here in a moment, but I want to make sure that everybody you know, had that detail who's maybe not uh, been following um, this issue as closely. Yes, and I uh, there was... The, the commentary of Commissioner Jane Harkins, and also there was a publication by Texas Water Resources Institute on like, a, I don't know if you read it or not, but it was like a memory uh, of a very good analysis of what is going on mm-hmm. and what the conflict is about that I recommend reading as well from Kerry Holloway. 
So let's make sure people know about those two. The first is the Texas Water Journal published a commentary by the United States uh, International Boundary Water uh, uh, Commission uh, Commissioner Jane Harkins. And uh, so we published her commentary, which we also published in Spanish, uh, which is the first time we've done that. Um, And uh, it's for the Water Journal you know, the jumping off point for something that I've wanted to do for a long time. And I've talked to you when you originally became an editor about this is maybe, you know, adding an editor in Mexico and having some more publications having to do with the, uh, the issues that we're talking about today that are in English and Spanish. And, and so, you know, they're available to, to, again, a much wider audience on both sides of the border. And then the Texas Water Resources Institute, Carrie Halliday, uh, published a, another um, uh, or an article on this issue. And was that in which was that in Texas or TXH2O? What was that published in? It, it was is not yet. It will be part of H2O okay. uh, in a couple of weeks. But she released that a little bit before uh, the end of the cycle, which was uh, October 24th. And I think the middle got signed the week before or something like that, a couple of days before that, the end of the cycle. But she, she it, it is online, um, accessible, just that article itself. And then it will be included on a on a much bigger story of the Rio Grande on the H2O in a couple of weeks. Great. And so in the commentary that Commissioner Harkins uh, uh, published through the Texas Water Journal, there were hints about a resolution in there. Um, and so then eventually, you know, a week or two later, I guess, there was a resolution. Um at least for for this cycle, can you talk about that? What's what's it? What that? What constitutes the uh, the resolution to the issue that we've been uh, talking about here over the last you know month or two? Yes, the resolution is pretty. It's a two page document. It's not big, like all minutes. Minute three twenty five is called. It was signed a couple of days before the end of the cycle. I think it was on last week, sometime last week. And it says mainly three things. First, Mexico will comply with his uh, treaty obligations with the amount of water that it still owes to, to Texas. Um, and the way it's going to do it, it, it will take water from Amistad Dam and Falcon Amistad. So that water is usually kept for future use for downstream users on the Mexico side. So now that water is going to be used to release to Texas and pay for the amount owed. So that was the resolution. The third point, which is the most interesting one, and and I think the forum had something to do with it, hopefully. If not, I'm just pretty happy that it, it did. They decided to create this Rio Bravo, Rio Grande working group uh, from included that it should integrate experts on the Rio Grande to develop a model for future predictions, water deliveries, and, and, and data sharing. So this this working group should help manage 
and make decision-making process a little bit easier for both sides of the border and to try to prevent that this situation you know, repeats again in the next five cycles. So that's new. Uh, the good thing is we have this working group. The good thing is that now, you know, uh, public officials are recognizing the need that there's more research to be done because right now we just don't have the same water that we have in 1944. We have a lot more population and the expectations of population growth is just going to duplicate in the next 40, 50 years in the border. And then we have climate change and we have not, no more extraordinary roads. We, we just have ordinary roads all the time. Right. And, and that is not contemplated in the treaty. Climate change is not contemplated in the treaty. Population growth is not contemplated in the treaty. Environmental flows is not, are not contemplated in the treaty. So there are a lot of challenges out there that we need to be thinking about. It. We can just be focusing on volumes of water. You take two and I take one. That's not going to work anymore. Uh, everything has to be adapted, negotiated, and prevented. Uh, prevented, prevented in a way to avoid disputes and conflict and get all the stakeholders involved so we don't have the same current, the same condition that we just had a month ago with, with farmers in the state of Chihuahua trying to protect their water because they need the water, of course, they have the right to water. Why would they give it to the other side of the water? Right? And mm-hmm. they have their own right, but Texas has its own right as well. And Mexico has an obligation and international, so everybody's right. 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 So we, we need to meet in the middle and, and, and figure out what will be the priorities for next for next couple of years. And I hope that this working group actually looks towards that. And, and that's, that's the good thing about it. The a little bit risky thing about it is that, you know, uh, the commitments to downstream users for next year might be in, you know, if we don't get enough rain, uh, you know, then the U.S., Texas in this case, for humanitarian reasons, and that's the way they call it, for humanitarian reasons, will provide water to downstream users if that's the case. If if storage levels in Amsterdam reach zero, then the Texas will provide a specific amount of water for downstream users, which is great. I mean, we're neighbors. It's just one, it's just one river, right? Mm-hmm. We only have one river there. So... It's 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 okay. The agreement is fine. It works. It's just that um, if I were a downstream user, I would feel a little bit at risk. Sure. Like, oh my god, my water that it was supposed to be there now is not, um, and I have and to rely, about- and I have to rely on you know a, another country to give me that water for my future use, not my own country. Right. Uh, and you're talking about the the uh, Mexican side. Yes. Is okay. Yes, yes. That's Nuevo León, that's Tamaulipas. I'm part of Coahuila as well. And so in the uh, the resolution that was reached, uh, the water's going Mexico, some of Mexico's water and Amistad and Falcon will be released downstream, I guess mostly for irrigators in the Rio Grande Valley on the Texas side to use. And if there's not enough to meet Mexico's needs from those reservoirs next year, the United States will will make up that water and provide it. And yeah. uh, Texas basically. Texas will. 
And there's also the creation of this uh, working group that's going to be modeling and, and looking at future water conditions, which I'm going to talk about that for a minute. Because that's a that's a key feature in a lot of uh, domestic uh, uh, water disputes when there is uh, some resolution is a kind of a stakeholder group that that uh, is you know, modeling and looking at conditions and trying to anticipate when we're going to be in a problem uh, year uh, so that maybe some measures can be taken. Uh, You know, I don't know if that's what's anticipated here. Maybe some kind of drier option or something for some of the uh, water users in Mexico and the United States eventually. But um, but it's obviously... Uh, if people are working together in advance to try to identify problem years, that's a, you know, that's a significant step forward, I'd say. That is, that is, it's not usual, especially now between Mexico and Texas. Uh, we have those kind of, of languages, of language, we have that kind of language of cooperation, modeling, um, monitoring, uh, surface groundwater interactions and on the Mexico, on the Colorado Rio, uh, on the Colorado River Basin. We have some examples on that there. But in, in the case of Mexico and Texas, the minutes, uh, they, I mean, this is pretty unique. I would say this is the first one that actually addresses that kind of stuff. Um, and, and that's a big milestone in the relationship uh, between Mexico and Texas and between because we have to make that difference. It's not the same, the relationship between Mexico and Texas and Mexico and California or the Rio Colorado Basin riparians. It's completely, absolutely different. It's like two different countries. Right, right. You know, uh, you see a strange phenomenon where... Um, you know, people will share, and this is not just the United States. This happens all over the world. Uh, you'll see a map of a continent, and one country is kind of like in colored in or something. And you know, people have this mindset: oh, well, you know, what's happening in this area that's you know uh, not colored in is not affecting what's going on in the in the the area that is colored in that part of the map. And, uh, you know, we've, it it looks like, you know, we're kind of slowly moving away from that. Uh, I know, for example, I mean, there are a lot of different small examples of it. I mean, when we, through Texas plus water, we have a, a feature called the outlook, which, which Robert Mace does. And, you know, he talks about what's going on in Mexico uh, in addition to what's going on in the United States, and I think it was as Canada in there too. You know, talking about North America as a continent and how water uh, is going to be influenced by things happening in, you know, in terms of weather uh, in that feature on both sides of these borders. And uh, also, I mean, just if you think about Texas, for example, you know, uh, we used to not think too much about, well, what's going on in New Mexico or Colorado, you know, for the Rio Grande? Well, you know, the Rio Grande starts up in Colorado. And so, you know, if you're interested in uh, what's going to make it uh, to you, Dan, at the end of the Rio Grande, you know, it's, 
it's a good idea to be thinking about not only Texas, but New Mexico and Colorado and what's going on in uh, the Mexican states, which are part of that watershed as well. Yes, I believe there is a value there that we usually miss um, when we are assessing or analyzing a a shared river basin. It is the concept, the sharing part of it. I mean, we just don't own it. We belong to it, but we're not the only ones. So we don't own the basin. We share it. And that concept of sharing is, I don't think is well understood. I, I think it's out there somewhere, you know, you see it everywhere, but but you don't really understand it. I mean, how we fragmented the basin in order to study it for funding reasons, for capability, for modeling purposes, for whatever purpose you want to call it. But that has given that has taken us to this route of mindsetting that we have a part of the basin. And that outside of that part of that fragment of the basin, nothing really happens. So nothing really matters. And, and that is so much not true. And that is affected us, affected the holistic perspective of a basin in a way that everything that we do is just fragmented. And so are our efforts and so are our intentions to make uh, some difference uh, on the management of the basin. The sharing part concept needs to be understood in a way that we all feel part of a solution downstream, upstream, middle stream, regardless if you're in Texas, Colorado, Mexico, New Mexico. We need to we need to have that that mindset change. That is a paradigm, actually. It's it's right. it's from in, in the scientific community. We are all part of that. We have done that, and, and now we want people to think abroad. But we can we can actually offer alternatives for a broad perspective, scientifically speaking. So, and then we complain that we're not looking at it holistically when we fragmented the basing. Right uh, from the beginning. Right. So it's like a, it, it, it's very complicated, but but that has affected our way to understand things. And I was having a conversation the other day on social media, actually, um, with a representative from the state of, of Texas, and and we were talking about the conflict between Mexico and 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 not Texas, of course. He was, you know ravaging he was just we need to we need to get that water out of mexico and they have to pay they have to comply with the treaty and he's right i mean all his arguments were right and if they don't then we're going to hold their water on the rio colorado basin and i would say well that yeah that's a very good idea that would certainly help you get the water i mean that is not going to get you the water and and it's not just texas here and it's not even mexico here it's Chihuahua too. It's it's Nuevo León. It's Coahuila. It's Tamaulipas. People have died uh, in this. You you cannot just block your mind and close one eye and just look at the treaty without looking at what really what real this means. Because Mexico, all the time, he said, "I will do it." 
no matter how, I will comply with the treaty. We will get that done. And, and Mexico tried many times, officially and unofficially, to do it. Not very successfully, not brilliantly done, and not very, you know, um, well, I wouldn't go be uh, just successfully, just say su- not very successfully. But that, that type of attitudes, when you close your mind and just look at your own rights, like if the basin belongs to you, or you have rights over the whole basin, that's that's a misconception of the basin. No, I mean you have right, you have just your rights, but you don't own the basin. So it's a win-win situation or a zero-zero-sum game. Yeah. So yeah. you choose. But it's made. I mean, it's really complicated when you get down in the weeds and just going back to 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 Texas, um, our state. Uh, you know, groundwater. Uh, the state Supreme Court has said is owned by the landowner, right? The surface owner. And so that's different than other states in the United States, everyone, just about. Uh, there may be some other states that believe that, but they're not many. Uh, and so, I mean, the complicated nature of how it's treated on the local level and then the state level and then the you know, you know, level that is uh, pertinent between states and the same nation, and then in between nations is the, you know, the, I guess the final um, layer, and that's a complicated uh, cake to bake. All those layers, which are quite different, each and of themselves, and which people have to kind of master that, you know, an understanding of that. Um, and an understanding of the of the nature of these transboundary aquifers and the surface water that's shared between um, these nations and, and regions, as well as also the the changing climate laid on top of that. I mean, it's just you know your discussion about left and right brains. Boy, we need our left and right brains working together uh, more than ever for issues like this. I mean, and uh, in that regard, I'm going to pivot to your forum, which you hosted recently about, um, and I'm going to try to make sure I read this correctly. The forum was called the United States-Mexico Transboundary Groundwater Conference, Innovative and Create innovative and creative I'm getting it wrong here um, strategies for unprecedented challenges that's last part I want to make sure I got innovation and create creativity strategies for unprecedented challenges so tell me about that conference which I, I guess you had right after the resolution of the the current you know five-year cycle issues is that is that correct uh, yes it, it was before uh, oh, yeah, okay. 14 and 15. And I think the resolution was signed a week later. After that, it was it was a very interesting and, and I would say a very successful conference. Uh, it really exceeded our expectations. It was hard uh, to plan something online these days. It's just so many details, technical stuff people from all over the world and we have our it has its advantages it's free now you don't have to pay to go to a conference <laughs> you don't have to travel 
a lot less carbon footprint for academics. And and now it's truly binational. So I don't know if you if you know about this, but when there are binational events, let's say in Mexico, you have 80 Mexicans and 15 Americans. And then you do it on the US, you have 80 Americans and 15 Mexicans, right? So when you do it online, you really have the, the big chunk of both sides. So it was it was it was pretty good. We have a, an audience that we didn't expect the whole time. Also very active, very this very um, what what's the word? I mean, very intense, passionate people. Really, people that work on transboundary aquifers. I don't know why, but we 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 like it so much. I think we are a little bit of masochist people <laughs> because it's very complicated. It's, it's 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 like a you jump in a hole and you don't know where you're gonna get. So there were all those people there, connected, interested. So they were very dynamic, very fun. We have our day of the death celebration during our happy hour, the Calaverita session. Uh, we have people from all kinds of sect, all sectors, officials, uh, the commissioner, the U.S. Um, IBWC commissioner was there. We have IMTA, Instituto Mexicano de Tecnología del Agua, where our co-hosts, along with Texas Water Resources Institute. We have 50 or so um, different institutions. We have speakers from U.S., Mexico, England, Scotland, Canada, experts on the topic. So we've we really got very interesting findings. Um, and now that we were talking about scales and layers of complexity, the ground, I mean, groundwater, it's even more complex than surface water because you can't see it, right? Um, right. You, and and you, don't even, you don't even have a treaty that, that regulates groundwater. Right. So, and you have aquifers on top of aquifers. Some of them are good, some of them are bad, some of them, are, you know, uh, it depends on the lithology of each one. So each aquifer is different. And and that's one of the big findings uh, of the conference. And because they are different, then solutions and strategies should start at local level, because that's the only way, only way they make sense. If you start from up down, it might probably not be useful because it won't apply. Eighty percent of your guidelines up down that up down would not apply to your case. So it's rather a button up kind of strategy development in terms of managing of groundwater resources in the border. That that was one interesting finding. That I was not surprised to see that because um, there's no other way really to do it. And the examples, successful examples in the world, I mean, that's the way they work, a local level. The, the higher the level you want to get, the more complexity, the more formality, that, that you require like a minute kind of a process, the harder it will get and, and the least uh, attractive to people working on these topics. I, I published a paper on that uh, last year between Mexico and Texas on how do we, how should we, or what stakeholders think about how, do, how can we manage transboundary water resources in the border. So 
my findings and the conference findings were pretty aligned, so I, pre- I felt pretty good about it. That means I was not really lying or saying something crazy. I mean, people here say it too, so that was good. That was one of the things. The other good um, result out of the conference is that there was a, this great idea brought by, I believe, a colleague on the Mexico side, on UNAM, and they proposed the creation of a binational transboundary groundwater task force that would um, its mission will be to integrate to to decide what will be the values that we should concentrate on and give priorities of those values in terms of of groundwater management at binational level. And and with that mindset or with that mission, then try to specify what will be our priorities in terms of science development, outreaching, community engagement, and 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 communication. So that was the other interesting finding, and I think that has a lot of potential, and we're working on on get that done. And, and moving forward, the final report of the conference is we updated that, uploaded that yesterday on the on the Binational Water Forums website, so everybody can see the conferences. If if they missed it, they can always go back there. They're English and Spanish versions, so you can always go back to presentations, full videos, the final report. And and the and the questions uh, there were remaining big questions. Um, there are more like to explore ourselves in terms of our responsibility as academics or experts in the in the area, and the way forward, um, which is the creation of this task force that I was telling you about, and the other one it's a peer review publication designed, uh, co-hosted, co-coordinated, I guess by us and IMTA as well, with experts, moderators, speakers of the conference. So it will be a joint effort as well and see where this, hopefully, you know, the more people you have in a publication, the less, the the less effectiveness in terms of how far you can get with it, but we're going to try it and let's see how far we can get to it. Great. So what is next for the forum? Oh, the forum, it's just growing uh, on its own now. (laughs) We we lost control of it, which is great. (laughs) Um, That's what we we need. Uh, More events, another program coming out, Science Talks. Uh, This has the purpose to promote and disseminate scientific information of early young researchers in the border. So that's coming up. Yeah, we're going to do that every once in a, every two months. The coffee breaks to update on, on, on the current conditions on water conditions in the border. Every time we select a different topic, hot topic that communities are interested in hearing about. And in terms of the forum itself, uh, we want to, uh, we have now over 150 members, over 60 institutions, part of it. And we're, we're trying to reach um, greater audiences. And of course, we need to get more funding in order to be sustainable over, over the future. 
So we're working on fundraising events, planning for them, fundraising events, and, and, and getting ourselves into outside, uh, outside the, I would guess, the border, with the border, water borders as our subject, but reaching to other areas, um, other territories in the world. We want to set an example. We want to lead the discussion. We want to, to support, to provide, to integrate all those efforts that are around at every different scales and say, hey, here we are. What do you need? Okay, we need to create a working group on this. Okay, go to the forum, select, pick. What do you need from us? Hey, let's let's try to advertise this event, this upcoming effort on um, surface groundwater interactions. Well, we support that. So we're here to support every effort of cooperation, to set the example, to share data, to, to compromise and to honor our ethics code, which is basically respect our borders, respect our differences, um, and work together. Because there's no other way, really, to, to see any improvements on the water conditions in the border. We have to do it together. Otherwise, it's going to be fragmented and temporary. And it's, we're not going to see anything at systemic level ever if we don't work together. And we need to understand that. And, and that's, that's a huge thing. It might sound like trivial. It might sound like, yeah, let's work together. That sounds very common, right? It's not easy to work together. It's not, e it's no, it's not, not easy, easy to communicate. Not even to communicate is easy. Uh, and, and, but that's the only way to do it. We, we usually take that as a given. Communication is a given. And we, it's, it's not a given, really. I mean, if you don't communicate effectively, you don't build trust. And if you don't right. build trust, you don't build absolutely anything else. So the forum has a mission to promote that, to facilitate that, and, and, and to see that actually that really happens efficiently to, to get this into whatever it can be. It, the forum, I, we don't have the limits. I don't set the limits. I just let it go and let it flow uh, with its members because that's the most, I think, honest way to do it. And that's how water works too. So we just try to mimic water here. Great. That's great. Rosario, how can our listeners find out more about the permanent forum of binational waters? Well, our website has absolutely everything that we're doing. Um, binationalwaters.tamu.edu. Can you repeat that, please? Yes. Binationalwaters.tamu.edu. Tamu as T-A-M-U dot E-D-U. Uh, you can go in there, check our network, check our events, our services, uh, our planning event services, our, our databases, our resources, our news, our archive. We have an archive or peer review publications on the border. Uh, we're building that as we, as we move forward. We have a Mythbusters section, too. On, on on myths and facts of the border and, and uh, water issues, of course, related to that. Uh, 
We have uh, other sections also for logistical services for members. We have videos. We have all the profiles of our members and the way to contact them. We have, I don't know, I mean, that's just visit the website and you'll, you'll see what we have in there. Great. Rosara, I really enjoyed this. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you, Todd. I hope I made sense. Uh, sometimes my, sometimes my English crossed the border and goes other places. <laughs> now it was, it was, it was front and present today. And uh, just say that I note that last time we got together, it was an hour and five minutes. So we're, we're keeping it under an hour today, which is, which is even better. Yeah. But you know, a lot of people listen to that really long show. It was the longest one I've done and had a lot of people listen to it. So, so I've got, uh, you know, high hopes for, uh, for interest in our discussion today. Yes, me too. Me too, because this is good stuff. I mean, not, it's not because it's coming from me because it's really what it's going on out there. Um, so yeah, people should just, you know, explore a little bit beyond your borders and, and, and you'll see a lot of things, fun things going on. That's right. That's right. This has been Talk Plus Water. My guest today was Dr. Rosario Sanchez, Executive Director of the Permanent Forum of Binational Waters. My name is Todd Botler, the host of Talk Plus Water. Let's talk water again soon. <laughs>